Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our mind and our heart that we might understand, so that we will turn to you and live. Well, we mentioned uh, last week that for the season of Advent, we were going to be doing something a little bit different uh, following the readings. Typically here, uh, we'd spend 15 or 20 minutes listening to uh, one of uh, the people who preach here offer a sermon reflecting on the different texts uh, that we've read, intertwining them with the, uh, the themes of the season that we find ourselves in, uh, which is a good and beautiful practice. Uh, but there are times when we can hear something taught and hear concepts taught over and over and over and over again, and uh, familiarity can in some ways uh, breed uh, an unawareness of what it is that we're holding. And as the psalmist prays against, uh, I find myself, and maybe you're like me, that in talking about things like the incarnation and the season of Advent of hoping for the return of our King, that in handling those holy things, the more we handle them and the more familiar we become with them, uh, they can begin to lose some of the shine and the luster. And so how we are entering into this Advent season, I mentioned last Sunday, there are two things that sort of engage with, uh, help us to engage with uh, the, our whole selves. We're not just brains on a stick. And those two things I have found over the years are art and children. Um, art, because art has a way of, uh, regardless of who, is, who has made the art and who is presenting it and who is looking at it, it hits each one of us a little bit different, and yet there's also some similarity and some unity that we're drawn into. And children, because children just have an incredible way of seeing the world, a way of seeing the world that many of us have, as adults have forgotten how to see the world. There are things, I have a friend who talks about, uh, he's a therapist who teaches therapists up at a seminary, and he says that early in our childhood, we're each handed a bag. And throughout our childhood into adulthood, we are taught what parts of ourselves belong in the bag, not out in the open. And that for many of us, therapy is a slow unpacking of what's been placed in the bag. <laughs> All the therapists are like, no, say it again, say it again, say it again. And children as they are, as they come, what they see, have a way of inviting us into the things that we've forgotten about God and about ourselves and about our neighbors in a really beautiful way. And so over these next three Sundays, we've invited three artists who are members of our community uh, to present a piece of art that fit in with the themes of Advent. This first Sunday, the theme is that of hope. Next week is of peace and then love and joy. And so this week, uh, I'm very excited to uh, have Sarah Miller uh, sharing with us today. Uh, we have five by sevens of the piece of art that she's going to be presenting, and so I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward uh, to pass out those five by sevens. I believe we have enough for every single person, and these are yours to keep. And then after they've passed that out, we also have a sheet of paper that sort of walks through some images of her process in creating this art, and we have uh, enough for two each row, and so we'll have to do the, the school, take a look, pass it along, keep passing it and those things. And so uh, while they're passing those out, I'm going to invite Sarah up. I meant to mention this at the beginning, but uh, following a little bit of a conversation with Sarah, I'm going to invite us all into what we did last week during Christ the King, which is a visio divina, uh, just a practice of, of seeing and praying with our eyes and with the Holy Spirit through this peace. But before we do that, uh, if you would pray with me, and I'm just going to pray a prayer of blessing 
um, over this conversation and over our time together. So let's pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, as we enter into this season of light and dark, of waiting and longing and expecting, as we enter into this conversation about hope, would you, by your grace, heal our hope, restore our hope? We pray this, Christ, in your name. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> everyone, this is Sarah. Sarah, this is everyone. Hi. We'll start over here, name by name, going that way. No, we don't have to do that. That would be fun. Um, well, Sarah, let's start with, uh, if you wouldn't mind, introducing a little bit about yourself, how long you've been uh, part of the All Souls community, and anything else you would like to share. Well, I'll preface by saying I would much rather be singing up here than talking, so just if I sound a little nervous, that's probably why. Um, I have been in the All Souls community for, gosh, it's got to be a year and a half, maybe, somewhere in there. I haven't really kept track, but um, yeah, so it feels like a little while now. Yeah. Who's your favorite person here? I told her, let us pray. That's amazing. That's amazing. How do you spend your days? Um, So I am an artist in my day-to-day life. I do a couple like other little things here and there, but um, I have over the past 10 years of being in Charlottesville, slowly building my art business, uh, it is not a straightforward path, so if anyone would like to talk with me about that, I would love to chat. Um, yeah, and uh, I mostly do custom work, but I always try to think of things I would love to do separately from that type of work. I do a lot of portraits, paintings of houses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, also, can talk more about that later, and would love to with any of you. And I will say on Sarah's behalf, because she's incredibly humble, she does incredible work. And so you can find her on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? You weren't expecting this, but I'll give a plug. Uh, Sarah, with an H, Sarah Miller underscore art. Sounds right. It's beautiful. It's really good. (laughs) And before I forget, too, uh, in the refectory, which is the room right behind our sanctuary along the windowsill, there are a number of, what would you even call these? I'm going to call them art, but... So, yeah, actually, similarly to this one, most of them are linoleum cuts from, uh, some of them were for different parts of the church calendar, I believe. Uh, But yeah, similar process for many of them. I think there may be one painting in there. They're really beautiful. And so you can see those in the refectory afterwards because we're having coffee and treats. And so that's a good time to take a look at that. Um, Well, hopefully by now everyone has gotten a beautiful five by seven that we had printed this week of this piece. Um, And so, Sarah, I'm just going to invite you to introduce us to first the piece, and then uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the process of how you create something like this. So, yeah. Uh, Yeah, so this piece was created, I actually did it with several other people. We were kind of assigned different verses that go along with the season of Advent. So I was assigned Luke 2.19, and... um, as I wrote at the top of this process sheet, I, 
I struggle to remember a lot of my reasoning for the decisions I made with this piece. Um, I, I was an art major in college, so I was exposed to a lot of church-related art. Um, and I think that was probably influencing a lot of my decisions. Probably the crown around um, Jesus's head, that is everywhere in art history. And I think it just kind of like flowed out. I was like, no, well, if it's going to be Mary and Jesus, there needs to be a crown. Um, yeah. So in terms of, sorry, the question was, why did I create it? Or Yeah. No, yeah. 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 Um, yeah and I, you know, I'm struggling to think of a really good answer for that at the moment. But I think it, it, it is different, like, as I'm looking at it now, because when you do look at a lot of art history pictures of Mary and child, they're often, like, she's sitting up very proper and, like, holding a baby with a tiny head that, like, doesn't look like a real human baby. And <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do a lot of, like, realistic art, a lot of portraits, and... I think I did want to create something that felt a bit more real. I probably was a nanny at the time, and I think that I was with this little baby pretty consistently, and I, I'm wondering even if the baby was like based on the baby that I was watching <laughs> at the time. But um, yeah, I think I just wanted it to have an air of like something that felt a bit more real than a lot of the images that we see historically in art. Well, and I think that's so beautiful, too, because you know I've talked a lot about icons because we both love them. But typically within the icons of Mary and baby Jesus, typically they're both, if you've ever seen them, they're both facing out and they're looking at us. And that's the way they're intended to be read is looking at us. And what I loved here is that there's a turning toward, there's a turning toward one another in this image that is not in a lot of the kind of more traditional images that we see of Mary and the Christ child yeah, looking out for here, there is a... Because again, I think, and we've talked about this before, there is, a, there is a beautiful intimacy, right? Jesus, fully God, yes, but also fully human, which means that all the ways in which our mothers have formed us, he was formed by his mother as well. All the ways in which a mother today experiences hope and the anguish of hope, she would have experienced with the Christ child and he with her. And there's such deep formation that has happened uh, in the life of who we see Jesus is when he arrives on the scene. The tradition tells us that Joseph would have passed away very early in Christ's life. Um, and so for the vast majority of his life, he's raised by a single, a single mother. Um, and so the intimacy there, um, in fact, if I can, one more. Um, I have a friend who uh, tells the story of going to a Benedictine monastery, and one of the Benedictine nuns that she was speaking to uh, talked about that within the Benedictine tradition, there is this understanding that when Jesus rises from the grave, that one of the first person he goes to see is his mom, and that when he sees her, and they run, and they embrace, and he and the father both say to her, thank you, and I'm sorry, thank you. And I'm sorry. And that form of intimacy and love that was between them, I think it's sometimes missed. And, it's my and that in the Madonna and the child is one of my favorite icons. But this, I think, picks up on that intimacy in a way that maybe some of those other ones don't. 
And so it's a real, it's a real gift. Tell us a little bit about how you make this and the process that goes into. Yeah. So um, if you look at the sheet, it is pretty much, if you go start at the top. Can you hold it for you? Yeah, sure. Um, if you start and go kind of like you're reading, um, that is the order of operations that you take. It's a, it's a slightly involved process uh, for those of you who have never or have no history or it, um, if you don't know about printmaking. Linoleum cuts are similar to wood cuts so that you are doing a relief. You're carving into something and um, therefore you have to do everything backwards because you're going to be putting ink and then putting your paper on top of that. So you have to think a little bit differently. Um, so that's why if you look at your handout of the print and then some of the pictures, you can see that it's kind of like a mirror image. Um, yeah. So essentially I did a two color process where I first carved out um, what I wanted to remain white and put down that kind of golden layer and then I, after I'd printed all of them, I carved again into what I wanted to be um, blue and what, like, the yellow I wanted to be exposed. So, um, yeah, I could get really involved in this process, and I am a very, like, minute detail kind of person. So I think a lot of those details some of you will not be interested in. But I'll be very happy to talk more about it. Because printmaking is a really fun um, art form. But what I'm hearing is there is a removal of what you don't want to be there in yeah. order for the image to begin to come forward. Yeah. And is there, after the first print that's all in gold, is there more, would carving be the right word you'd use? Mm -hmm. Is there more carving that happens after that? Uh, in this particular case, I chose to carve on the same block. So you could technically carve different blocks to do different colors. But yeah, so I carved it once to do the golden layer and then carved it again to do the blue layer. Yeah. And yeah, so you end up kind of having three colors. You have the white, the gold, the blue. blue. That's amazing. How long would something like this typically take? Um, ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just don't have a great answer for that. It takes as long as... It takes you. <laughs> I love it's that like answer. a multi-day process because you do have to, once you're printing, you're working with ink and it has to dry. So, uh, yeah, you have to be a little bit patient in between the yeah. steps. And it's, I don't know, it, I can't say it's quicker than a painting per se, but yeah, it's a, a fairly involved process. I love that answer. <laughs> Um, one of the things when we were meeting this week and you were showing me some of the different images, you even sort of noted that like the one that we have is all the same, but even when you take the ink and you go to put it down on paper, just the nature of ink and the nature of those things, each image can also come out just a little bit different and different smudges and all those different things. Yeah. I mean, that's part of, you know, the human experiences we I am someone who longs for consistency and predictability, but in art, that's not often how things happen. And in so many parts of life, that's not how things happen. So with this, it's a very, as you can see, similar result that you're getting, but 
depending on how much ink you roll on, uh, how you're pressing. I, this was a hand-pressed process. There is actually a machine that can give you a slightly more consistent result, which I did not use. So with hand printing, you're going to come up with um, different, like you put more pressure on one area, so you have a little bit of ink showing from the underneath layer. So it just is going to be a little bit variable. And, yeah. Have you, may I ask a personal question? Sure. Have you learned, have you learned to grow or maybe the better way to ask this, and we didn't talk about this question, is how have you learned to grow in comfortability with things coming out differently than maybe you expected? Um, that's, I mean, yeah, that is a, uh, I'm still growing and learning in that a lot because it's easy to double down and move in the direction of like wanting things to be more perfect and more aligned to what you think they should be. And then um, I think that is in many ways the grace of God to be like, no, Sarah, that's not how it's going to go today. And you need to be open to that. Um, so yeah, it's uh, that is one of the good parts of the process as well. Um, yeah, there's just so many great things about being an artist and I wish that everyone could have the experience of what the process looks like because it's such an intimate experience but it's also a, a really like great moment for learning and paying attention um, yeah so if, if any of you have the opportunity even if it's just like making a, a craft or something that you would consider creative um or even if you've done that, you probably have at least like a small taste of what it looks like to sit in that creative process and to create something new. And I hope that you all have that opportunity at some point. I love that. Which brings us to one of the things you and I, when we were talking about what questions and how we wanted this part of the conversation to go, one of the things you sort of brought up, and it was sort of describing how you understand your vocation as an artist in the world, and it was really beautiful. And so even this morning, we were talking about including that as part of the conversation. But yeah, will you say a little bit more to, um, as you're sharing this with us, but as a part of your greater vocation as an artist, how you view that in its place within the world, within the church, within, within our community? Yeah, I will try to. <laughs> try to remember what I said. Um, well, yeah, I, I think that, you know, as... As we, even this morning, I was thinking about the word hope, and um, I think there's like the perception that artists do bring hope into the world, and I actually do believe that's true, but I also believe that artists see incredible darkness in the world as well. So it's, I think, many times when we create art, we are we are conveying the things that we are paying attention to. And I think sometimes it is literally a cry for, like, how can I bring hope into this world? Um, how can I convey these things that I see? And I think that is truly the job of the artist is to pay attention, hmm. to see things that other people can't always see. And... Um, yeah, it's sometimes a really hard job to see those things and 
yeah, it does sometimes feel very hopeless, but I think the act of creating something new and bringing it into the world is an act of hope, or I would hope that it is. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, and I I was talking with Bliss about uh, just feeling like the sense of being a vessel in many ways when you are an artist. It, It does so often feel like an outer body experience. Like I have this blank thing in front of me. I have these ideas in my mind and I am tasked with creating something new. And when I created this piece, I, you know, I had no idea how people would react or respond to it. But uh, surprisingly, people people see things that I don't see. And I think that's amazing. They have reactions that I wasn't going to have. Like I was tasked with creating it and putting it out there for people. But when people have these relationships with it or they, they're like, I understand this um, in a way that Sarah, who created it, maybe doesn't. Which, you know, like, that's not, God knows all and sees all. So I am not God, but I, I am tasked with creating pieces and putting them in the world. And that feels like both an honor and very vulnerable. Um, but I love, love seeing how people respond to art. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that and for sharing this with us. Can we say thank you to Sarah? Just a round of applause. Thank you. I'll take the mic up in there. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.